2: Hello, thank you for going to the Les Schwab tires. Tires? I don't know. Hello, we appreciate you going to the Les Schwab. Les Schwab. Why it's can't like you v- say tires? Vive cluco It's the same. Just thing. say tires. Uh, wh- where do we pick up from? Hi uh, everyone, you're listening to the center and the Saint podcast. I'm Luke Anderson. I'm Will Dar- well, Darkins, and this is sponsored by Les Schwab tires. Is
1: that right? I think so. Okay. Yep. Enjoy. Doing the right thing since 1952.
3: Honey, you promised you would take the kids to the zoo today. Bear!
1: When are you going and to lawn? Your Please parents be are be coming out. over and you're not oh even God, dressed. Oh oh. You promised you were going to leave your wife for me.
0: Don't let this happen to you. Everybody's working for the weekend, but your family and friends are always ruining your days off. Introducing... Football season, the best way to drown out the ones you love. Watch grown men run into each other head first. Marvel as overweight men chase a bouncing ball. Let the gladiators of today help you disconnect from the worries of the modern world. Get your 2018 college and pro football seasons today, and we'll throw in the Center and the Saints tailgate show. Presented by Frostbrewed Coors Light for free. That's right. You'll get two football leagues. Luke Anderson. If you were at the gym and you
2: saw Myers Leonard pull up in a Prius, met him at the swimming pool, but you didn't ever really have chance to talk to him because he kind of dismisses of you. Would you leave your name and number in his uh, windshield? Will Darkens.
1: I want to see more of the man
0: back. The alligator skin man. And back. two hours you'll never get back. Every Saturday morning for one low price. Just turn your dial to 1080. <laughs> the Fan. Hey, hey, hey.
2: Saturday morning. We are live from Vancouver 4, there is no Will Darkens this week, he's on a romantic interlude with his lady, he took her to Bend, Oregon, so replacing him, a name you may recognize if you listen to this station during the week, it's Jason Sekanik. Oh, I can't hear you. We need to turn on that microphone. How about that? No? That's much better. Yeah, oh, you, go. you got it. there. He is
3: nothing says romance like getting drunk in bend.
2: Well, I, Will doesn't drink. That's what makes him the saint. So he's gonna ah, that's, go. That's Can right. Can you
3: imagine going to Bend, Oregon, sober? No, that sounds like a terrible, uh, yeah. terrible idea. The whole
2: reason to go on that trip is the Bend Ale Trail. And I went just...
3: to I went to Bend once. My uh, my good buddy that played football with my brother uh, lives down there. The great Mark McCloskey, love ah. that man. And uh, we had a Cinco de Mayo party. And so we got, a, uh, we got a keg from Deschutes, Pond, and then uh, other sundries, if you will. And so about uh, 1 in the morning, it was slowing down, you know, just kind of starting to fizzle out a little bit. And then we realized that there was like oh, like a third of a keg left, and that wasn't going to stand.
2: No, no, it's just going to go bad, yeah. and then you got
3: bad beer. And well, so then me ask. and Mark set to, uh, <laughs> look, look we, 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 pl- we played like champions that night. We're like, look, yeah. we're not returning this in the morning. Uh, with
2: with, with uh, you know not not empty. You don't return a full keg. No, even no. partially full. So you don't even want to hear sloshing. Really, no. So drive. we
3: set out. So I want to say about three. The next day, uh, we awoke outside in his uh, uh, like on his deck. That's that's bad.
2: Yeah. That's then we went over to.
3: to Brother John's. Had some spicy buffalo
2: mac and cheese to absorb all that, and uh, it was good. That's Bend. It's 300 uh, days of sunshine, so you can wake up outside in a drunken haze the next day.
3: Ah, oh, it's bad. That's, yeah.
2: that's <laughs> as bad. Like, I don't get hungover very often,
3: but that's as bad as I've been hungover in, in years. I mean, it was... This was recently? i say this was maybe four or five years ago. Okay. But it, 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 was, it was bad. Because already, I mean, we were seriously deep into the night at that point anyways yeah and then we had the bright idea of like dude there's like a third of the keg left and no one was drinking beer at that point everyone had moved on to spirits and we're like well we're not going to return this are we and he's a big guy too he played football at washington state he's another old lineman and and I, I don't know how many glasses uh, it took to, to kind of get through the, the third of that keg, but it, it was a lot. Yeah. And I never made it inside. <laughs> like, <laughs> a lawn chair ended up being my bed that evening. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Well, but you know what? We did not return. That keg with uh, Mirapond left in it.
2: Well, excellent. That's uh, that's a good good on you. It would be a very different trip for Will. So uh, you and I out here for tailgate days at Vancouver Ford. So uh, if you want to come on down, say hi. There's a chance to win tickets to the Ducks and Huskies. So mm-hmm. the Ducks are off this weekend. Uh, but you can get tickets to the the next game. So just swing by, say hello to myself and Souk. Buy yourself a brand-new Ford Raptor. And there then you drive go. O- drive home
3: happy. And if you come by here uh, all week, they're giving away tickets and a trip to the Pac-12 uh, championship game. So you yeah. come on by, you take a test drive here, all you have to do, no buy, just take a test drive, and you're entering, at the end of the month, they are sending someone down to San Francisco for the Pac-12 uh, championship.
2: And the nice thing about the Pac-12 championship this year, no matter who your team, if they're in the Northern Division, they're going to win that game. <laughs> the right? South the south <laughs> is pretty bad. I mean, like, USC may end up, you know... Doing what they do,
3: where they, they're, they're they better do. at the end of the year they're than they are at the, at end the beginning. Better at the end of the year, but, you know, Colorado, Arizona State, who would have thought that game, which is this week, could actually be something that helps decide the Pac-12 South, but... You know, Colorado's undefeated, and Arizona State only has one conference loss and still has to play USC, and and so, I mean, that may end up being um, a huge game in the Pac-12 South, and I would not have bought that at the start of the year that either one of those teams, everyone said it was going to be USC, maybe Utah, and and a side of Arizona, and Utah can't score, Arizona is bad, and then USC is, well, kind of underperforming, as USC tends to do from time to time.
2: Yeah, and it's 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 funny because, like you said, it may be USC at the end because this is kind of Clay Helton's mo so far. He's like, well, let's get to Week Five and then we'll start playing some football. Well, it's and it's a and it's a young team, right? True I mean, freshman quarterback, true freshman
3: quarterback, best receivers are true freshman. Your running backs are true freshman. So not that you can't grow up. I just I'm 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 not sold that Clay Helton's the guy. I think USC undersold themselves really short, and I'm never a big fan of the promote from within because it's what the players want. Yeah, and we'll see if that works out for Cristobal at Oregon. I mean, it's so early to know, and honestly, you won't know until Justin Herbert moves on. Yeah. Right? When you have a quarterback like Justin Herbert, see Sam Darnold at USC, it just it, it spackles over so many holes in your team. So it's, it's almost impossible to know what you have in, in Cristobal. So maybe he's the guy that does end up working out. But I've always found that more often than not, when you do the, hey, we'll just promote the guy from within because the players want him. Yeah. That's usually not a good thing. And and I'll say this with, with Clay Helton and Cristobal. You um, can even say this about Jonathan Smith in a way, even though he didn't get from promoted, promoted from within, but it's all the same sort of thing that if Clay Helton isn't at USC, Clay Helton has zero chance of getting that job.
2: Yeah. Zero. I would agree with that. If
3: Mario Cristobal isn't at Oregon, if Mario Cristobal is the offensive line coach at Alabama, which is what he was before he came Wasn't to Wasn't he Oregon, tight ends coach?
2: I didn't even think was the line. he was he's, the, he's the O-line okay. coach. Yeah
3: zero chance of getting that job, doesn't even get an interview. Yeah. Right? If Jonathan Smith was a little bit different, because he at least was an offensive coordinator and he was up at UW, but if Jonathan Smith didn't play at Oregon State, he doesn't get that job. Yeah. Yeah, Jonathan Smith was not getting an interview
2: for head coaching jobs. But, but I think there's a big difference in the profile of Oregon State yes. versus the profile sure. of Oregon sure. and USC. And Jonathan Smith, like you said, playing under chris peterson who's got at least an established coaching and i think that one's i think that's why i said it's it's
3: it's a little bit different but i asked that at the time you know and you know they oregon state you know ad got all bristly at me but i said i said if jonathan smith isn't jonathan smith if he didn't play at oregon state is he considered for this job i don't think he is i really don't i think that job probably would end up going to a bull baldwin or someone like that but because you have those internal ties, I mean that always makes a difference. There, there's schools that are like, well, you have to that like, we want one of our own. Yeah. You know, it's the Paul Wolf situation at Washington State, yeah. or you know, Lambright at at UW. Those things always just worry me a little bit. And not that they can't succeed, not that it can't work out. And we yeah, he- will see. But with he- with Helton, I honestly think Clay Helton is is a good guy. I think he's a decent man and is is a good coordinator. I don't think Clay Helton is a is a coach that USC, um, As the best way to put it. I don't think he's worthy of that job. I think if yeah. you're USC, I think you could do a lot better. In fact, USC had a chance at Chris Peterson, mm-hmm. and they didn't go get him. And to me, that's ludicrous. When you're USC, you should have Chris Peterson. You shouldn't have Clay Helton. And not that Clay Helton can't win there, but I don't think Clay Helton will ever have the sort of success that you can have at USC on a regular basis. Now, the Jonathan Smith-Christobal thing, who knows, because it's year one and it's so early. But both, I think, are, are, are have some momentum,
2: especially with Oregon and recruiting. So we'll see what happens. While we're on that, is it possible that Scott Frost wasn't the right hire for Nebraska? I, I mean, mean, right it look, now it doesn't look Right now it doesn't it. look
3: very good. But that, at least the thing with Scott Frost is Scott Frost was the number one, you know, he was, everybody's, he was everybody, on everybody's list. He was on everyone's list. It's because Scott Frost turned down Florida. Yeah. So, look, when you're turning down Florida, and, and you know he turned down Florida because of the ties to Nebraska.
2: So he may have taken the jo- same, wrong job for the same reason. You well, know? look,
3: Florida's a better job. Yeah. It just is. Scott Frost could have had a better job than Nebraska, but he turned it down for the exact same reason that a lot of schools hire guys. Yeah. He, turn, he, he went to Nebraska for nostalgia purposes. I mean, are you kidding me? The guy... The guy won a national title there, and now you get a chance to come back and rebuild that program. And, and again, it, it doesn't look pretty right now, but it, it's so early on. But th- if Scott Frost is from I don't know, wherever, if he's from Ohio yeah. and he played football at UCLA, Scott Frost is probably at Florida right now, Fair not enough. at Nebraska.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, it's it's funny looking at a couple teams. I mean, you have Chip Kelly was a big high-profile hire in the offseason, mm-hmm. and then you have Scott Frost is a big high between them, they don't have a single win. Nope. And and right now, you've got UCLA taking on Washington this week. I mean, can you expect anything from UCLA because no. they just look
3: awful. They're bad. They're they're a bad football team, and they're bad in all three phases. And they're poorly coached. Uh, you know, it's I, I wish you could say something you know good about. It. They're, they're young. Yeah. They're inexperienced an in and not deep. But the the weird thing about UCLA is when you look from recruiting a recruiting standpoint outside of USC, if you go back, let's because they do recruiting cycles right every yeah. four years. But even if you go back, if you want to go five, six years, UCLA, technically speaking, is the second most talented team in the conference. Yeah. They have the they have the number two recruiting class over the last you know cycle or two, behind USC. So from a talent standpoint, they're supposed to be better, but they are they are bad. They're bad along both fronts. Uh, they're really young at the skill position. So they're not good on offense. They're not good on defense. Uh, they're playing a
2: true freshman quarterback. They're playing a true too.
3: freshman quarterback, and and there's a lot of penalties and dumb mistakes. So yeah. that's just that's just bad ball. I, again, it's one year, and, and I don't know how much you can judge off of that. But I, I'm honestly surprised at at that of of the. The, the coaching hires the ones I'm the one I'm most surprised at in, in the country is, is Chip even compared to Herm Edwards even compared to Herm <laughs> Edwards it was just it surprised me a little bit but you know they've taken a step backwards and see where Arizona State goes I just like an idiot I no one expected anything out of UCLA they yep. said they're young they're not deep you know they're, they're gonna they're gonna be iffy and I sat here and was like dude Chip Kelly is a hammer git. Yeah. Like that guy didn't just win at Oregon; like he murdered people. He did. Like the the teams that 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 weren't physically able to compete with them, he he beat them by forty. Yeah, I mean he run he ran them off the field. And I was like, I, I get that UCLA may not win the South, but UCLA is going to have some pelts on their wall. I believe that. And to see this, uh, I'm stunned. Not just that they're losing, but the way they look. It doesn't look innovative. It doesn't look fast. It, it, uh, th- there's no sort of spark that you saw. Even in the NFL, his offenses were good. Yeah, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely blown away by what I'm seeing down at UCLA and how bad they look.
2: Yeah, I mean, for, to, for me, across the entire Pac-12, you look at the coaching hires, I mean, it felt like Herm Edwards was going to be an immediate disaster, <laughs> and he has success. It looks yeah. like uh, someone is is a great last-minute hire for yeah. Arizona, and you go, all right, well, you've got Khalil Tate, and you've got the coach that took Johnny Manziel to a Heisman <laughs> Trophy. That's going to work out, obviously. <laughs> and then you look at Chip Kelly, and you go, all right, with know. the talent that they have, what is going on. So, I mean, that's a, kind of the fun part of where we're at with uh, college football right well, now. Well, it's like Wilcox got hired last year at Cal, and not that they had a great year. No, right? but they, they went out
3: and beat North Carolina. But I mean, they but they looked good. Yeah. Like, you, you saw it, and you're like, okay, there's there, there, there's, something there. Like, you can see the building blocks of something, and you haven't seen that at Arizona or at UCLA. Believe it or not, at Arizona State, there is a little bit yep. of that, It's which... Again, just uh, head sewn to the floor is surprise, which is the yeah. beauty of college football
2: is you just you never know. Well, the crazy thing right now watching Arizona State is they are actually adjusting to the talent that they have on the field. So we'll dive into that Colorado game a little bit more. I want to get your thoughts. Well, the one team we didn't talk about in the Pac-12 there was the Ducks. I know they have a bye week, um, but I kind of want to get your gauge on uh, where we are with them so far. We'll do all that. We've got plenty of NFL, Major League Baseball playoffs. Uh, when the Center and the Saint continues, you're listening to 1080 The Fan. Scott!
0: The Sinner and the Saint Tailgate with Luke Anderson and Will Darkens on 1080 The Fan.
2: Always my favorite month to do a couple shows from Vancouver 4 because it's about three minutes from my house. <laughs> I mean, he's got to sleep in a little bit extra. Nice. And my routine on Saturday mornings is always a little bit different because, you know, when you're at home, you have, like, all the luxuries at home. So I got to uh, belly up to a nice big bowl of Cinnamon Toast Crunch this morning. Little CT'd. The The kids are running around, just kind of half prepping for the show. I'm doing it with you. So really, whatever I've prepped, we're probably not even <laughs> going to get to anyways. Everything I wrote down for the first segment, we'll try to get to here. We might get to it. It is what it is. But always one of my favorite shows of the year. So come on down to Vancouver Ford. Uh, say hi to myself. Uh, Big Souk is with me. Uh, great deals on all every mo- make and model of uh, Ford that exists. And you're going to walk away and save some money. Uh, so, But, hey, you can also win uh, tickets to the Ducks and Huskies. And I mentioned it before the break. The Ducks are on a bye week. Um, I think record-wise they're kind of where I expected them to be. Probably. Um, but as far as performance goes, I think they're a little ahead of it. What's your impression of the Ducks so far this season? Well, they should be undefeated. Uh, they were better
3: than Stanford. For three and a half quarters. Well, you know, you look at that, and and I I hate to—people always get all bent out of shape when I do this, but maybe, you know, Duck fan will actually appreciate it for once. The best team doesn't always win the game. Well, that's right? what
2: makes football so great, and especially the, the NFL where the margin is so razor yeah. thin. You can see a team like the Bills come out and punch the Vikings in the mouth yeah. and then go right back to being the worst team in the NFL.
3: Yeah, it's like the the year that Ohio State and, and Miami played in the national championship, the best team didn't win. Yeah. Miami was better than Ohio State. Mm-hmm. They were. There was a bunch of fluky things that happened in that game, and it's like that game could have played out. Any, any football game can play out a hundred different ways, right? And you needed that game to play out one, maybe two ways for Ohio State to win. And it did. Like, every little weird bounce, every questionable call goes your way. And that was Oregon-Stanford. Oregon, that that game game plays out 100 ways. 99 of them, Oregon wins. Yep. Look at all the little things that had to go Stanford's way. Even the, you know, from the, the pylon kick. Yep. To the, the the snap that that Herbert should have handled. It was a bad snap.
2: Well, and he, and even if you don't get the snap, you yeah. you have to fall on the ball. Now, and, Herbert, and 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 if in college, if you go down to a knee to pick over. up that ball, you can't return it for like a touchdown. Her, so it goes
3: through Herbert's hands. He falls on it. It squirts up, and it just so happens to hit twenty-five from Stanford, like in the chest as he's running. He doesn't have <laughs> in to break stride. stride. Yeah. You know, even if Stanford just falls on that ball, even if they even if he has to stumble a little bit to pick it up, and they tackle him at the forty. That game is over. It's just that there's so many weird things that had to have happened. So Oregon's better than Stanford. Oregon should be undefeated and should be getting ready to play UW for command of the North. Now, it's it's a little funky now because now even if Oregon beats UW, which I don't think they will, um, I don't think they're quite there yet. Uh, I think we are undervaluing how good Washington is. I think they're figuring out something on offense right now. They're playing more like Stanford. They're going to be conservative. They're going to run the football, have Browning not make mistakes, and rely on just a nasty-ass defense. So I, I think that's a tough task for Oregon. Not that they can't win, but I'll still say UW. But even if they beat UW, you need Stanford to lose twice. Yeah. You know, Stanford lost to Notre Dame. It doesn't matter. You need Stanford to lose twice in conference. And, you know, let's say they lose to u You still need someone else to knock them off. We'll see what happens. Um, so I, I don't know if
2: the Pac-12 North title is in Oregon's future, even if you beat u how does but, that spin cycle work if you've got Oregon with a loss to Stanford, Stanford with a loss to Washington, and Washington with a loss to Oregon? How do they figure that mess out? It goes non-conference?
3: I'm not sure. I, yeah. I think
2: it might go common. I
3: think it might go your record in the north. I mean, there's different tiebreakers. Yeah. So I'm yeah. not sure how all that shakes out. But you know, head-to-head, if it's just you and Stanford, yep. you need Stanford to lose twice sure. if you both have one conference loss and they, they beat you. Um, But there's there's a lot left on the table for Oregon. And and I really like the way they're playing right now. Um, I thought their best game of the year by far was Stanford. If you would have asked me this question before Stanford, I was pretty skeptical. Um, I don't think they were overwhelming against bad opponents. Uh, The receivers weren't playing very well dropping everything dropping everything yeah. i think even to some well, ex- even some extent i think herbert looked good but not maybe uh as sharp as you were you were hoping for he hadn't really found a, a kind of a, a bell cow back yeah and i think a lot of those questions got answered at, at stanford that was by far your best game so well, I think you found your number of, like, one
2: receiver in dylan mitchell your, yes your, your preferred target cj verdell looked like he was the guy even though travis die is getting you know more yeah. and more carry but you've, you've got a couple backs that can do some things and justin herbert looks yeah. like he's probably going to be the number one pick if he comes out this year it'll be the only thing that gets me is is you know you you always hear the reasons why people go back it's not always my grandfather played here and I had season tickets my entire life growing up and my little brother is going to be playing next year so if ever there was a reason for a kid to to pass up uh, an NFL contract yeah there's a
3: lot of there's a lot of talk that he may come back and if he does then maybe you're in line for a special season next year because it is a pretty young football team you uh, I mean you bring back most of the the difference makers, so and you bounce back nicely against Cal, right? Mm-hmm. I mean you, you you couldn't allow Stanford to beat you twice. I think maybe there's still some second half issues there, uh, where your offense isn't quite clicking uh, in the second half, and it's it's kind of been that way all year. It certainly was a bugaboo against Stanford. Yeah, uh, and you can even say that this going back to to last year with this staff, that the second halves have been you know maybe not what you were hoping for, but. There was a lot to like about that performance against Cal, and when you have Justin Herbert and he's playing this way, you have a shot against anyone in the conference. Oh, and by the way, you have an opportunistic defense. Yep. Uh, you know, Amadi is is has been an absolute stud. I think you have NFL players at all three levels, and I think that was something you haven't been able to say about this defense. But when you look at, at Jelks, when you look at Jordan Scott, when you look at Die, and then you look at at, at Amadi, you have legitimate NFL guys. All three levels, and you know that's that, that's when you have special years. Yeah, when when you have depth like that, and and so I think there's a lot to like about Oregon, and I give them a shot against UW. Like UW's not going to score sixty against you. That this offense isn't really built that way right now, and so when you have Herbert, if you can protect him and keep him upright, because I don't think you're going to run the ball against Washington. I think Herbert's going to have to throw it. You have a week to prepare. Yep. Uh, Washington does have to go on the road. Now, granted, it's UCLA, which shouldn't be a huge game, but it's still a road trip, yep. flying down to UCLA, flying back, and then a short trip, you still have to get on another airplane and, and, and come back down to Eugene. You know, that's, that, that can take its toll on you, and you have two weeks to prepare. A lot of this is setting up for you to have a real shot at this, and you look at what, what, or- or what Auburn was able to do against UW on third down and throwing the football. You know, that's going to be the key to this is can Herbert and those receivers uh, hold up and, and convert on third downs against yep. this UW defense. And I, I think Oregon's got a real shot. I'll still take UW. I, I think, you know, the last couple of years they've been dominant in this football game, obviously. And I think from a talent standpoint, I think they are uh, the superior team here. And I don't think it's really that close. I think UW is is more talented at most positions. Except for one, yep. and that is the most posi- That Kicker. is the most yep. important <laughs> right? position no? is that- in all of in all of football, and yeah. that's and that's the guy you know taking the taking the snap, and that gives you, I think, a better than average chance.
2: Well, you started the whole segment by talking about how you know the best team in football doesn't always win. You only get you know what ten of these games in, in college football, eleven games uh, in, in a season, where you can really go out and prove who you are. And if Justin Herbert is leaning towards the NFL, and all the talk seems to suggest it'll be the number one overall draft pick, you want to go out and make all these moments count. So yeah. for me, the, the the cool part of this game and the, the thing that I love about uh, the reason I prefer the NFL and the thing I love about great college football games is when you have strength against strength because NFL games there are really no weaknesses on those teams if you're deficient it's it's by a small margin and usually when a team's bad or gets run out it's because they're just a little bit weaker where the other team's a little bit better and in college football it doesn't happen very often where you have one of the best defenses in college football Mm -hmm. in Washington playing against one of the best quarterbacks you know we've seen in a long time in the in the in college football and an NFL player and and if the Oregon offense can go out and be as good as they they have the talent to be, they're going to have to go right into the teeth of that defense, defense and win and where Oregon's defense is a little bit weaker Washington's offense isn't electric Yeah, in college so football It balances it, a lot of things When you're one of the better teams,
3: you maybe get three games all year where the talent level is, is equal yeah. or, or above you. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, if you're in the middle of the pack, right. Then it's, it's a little bit different. I had some of this, like when I, I played it at, at BYU, we played in the crappy mountain West. Yeah. And, and we were more like a mid-level pac 12 team. Right. I mean, we, when we went and played, uh, we played Arizona state, we played Washington we played Cal. We played, you know, we played Virginia, we played Alabama, you know, teams like that. Um, if you put us in, it's like what Utah was when Utah came over, yeah. same same sort of thing. You know, you you would, on my good years, we would have been a good to solid Pac-12 team. And on the bad years, we were, you know, we'd be towards the bottom. But in our crappy conference, we were better than every team we played. Yeah. The only team we played all year in my conference that was, was honestly worth a damn was Utah. Yeah. From a physical standpoint, from an all-22 that were as good as us. And outside of that, when we played Wyoming, we played New Mexico in
2: this. If we, that was before Bo- Boise State? Was that was a, before Boise State. Was Boise State. You yeah. know, if, if we played
3: again, if we lost those games, it was because either we had our head up our, you know what, someone played a, just a, a, above the, their talent level, you know, funky things happened. Yeah. But for the most part, we were just that much better than everyone else we played. And so, you know, we would play Utah, and then we'd have our three non-conference games, which are usually against pretty good teams. And that's honestly how you could evaluate our teams, and and that can be said when you're and and that yeah, that's the same for every conference. When you're UW, when you're Oregon, when you're USC, when you're Ohio State, when you're Alabama, you know you are the king of your conference, just a lot better conference than what I played in. <laughs> but it's the same sort of, of sliding scale, you know. When when UW goes out and plays, or USC goes out and plays, or when Oregon's having a good year. Eight to nine of those games, physically, the other team shouldn't be able to stay on the field with you. You are better than they are almost at every position. And some it's going to be greater than others, but you are just that much more talented. And so really the way you judge the good teams of college football, I don't care what you do against the bottom feeders. I don't care what you do against a five-win football team. I only judge you based on three to four games a year because it's the only three to four games a year that should matter. Now, that doesn't mean that an upset can't happen. Again, you're not looking. You're not paying attention. You're overlooking someone, and someone jumps up and bites you in the ass. And that's that's the weird part about college football. It's the most imbalanced sport in in all the land. And you mentioned the NFL Even between the best team and the worst team in the NFL, that margin is so razor thin. Every one of those guys is professional. Every one of those guys is an NFL player. But when you're at Ohio State, you've got, let's say, on on Ohio State's roster, realistically, 15 guys that are going to play in the NFL. Yep. 15. And you go down and play Indiana. Indiana maybe has
2: one. Yeah. Exactly. maybe two and it's their punter.
3: Yeah, that are that are going to go on and and play in the NFL. Yep. And that 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 gap is just so great and it's it's why unfortunately a lot of time in college football from week to week when you're one of those teams can be a bit can be a bit of a bore, which is why a game like Oregon Washington should excite you. Yeah. Because even though Washington I think is more talented than Oregon, this is one where it's, it there is not an imbalance and then you get a guy like Justin Herbert yeah. that erases a lot
2: of that imbalance this should be a great football game yeah i'm pretty excited about it and uh, the funny thing that college football always does to us is we look at it and every week you get that upset that makes you think upsets happen all the time in college football they really don't old dominion doesn't happen very often against no. virginia Tech. but there's so but many, there's there's 60 games every 60 week 60 games
3: so you have a chance so we you, get one you, every you get week one.
2: and it makes you think that uh yeah. that oregon state's going to win the civil war this year yes. so but in
3: in reality <laughs> un- unfortunately yeah. You know, 99 times
2: out of 100, if you don't have the Jims and Joes,
3: yeah. you just you, you can't do it.
2: Speaking of NFL players, we'll uh, take a look at the NFL and uh, talk about razor-thin margins, the difference between these teams and the uh, MLB playoffs. I mean, when you get to October, these games get so good. So we'll get into some uh, baseball playoffs, we'll get into some NFL, we'll do that next. But first, Joe with SportsCenter.
0: Collision Repair. The Sinner and the Saint Tailgate with Luke Anderson and Will Darkens on 1080 The Fan
2: Fighters 1 segment and then we come back with a little Tupac Listen, you got to mix it up. We try to keep things a little, uh, you know, erratic on the center of the same. Both on my workout mix. Hey, perfect. We're happy we can help you with that. Here's the funny thing: is uh, better you today text line five five three zero five. One listener saying, "Suk is so sportsy in the morning. Usually, Will has trashed a few coaches and athletes by now. Can you please steer the show into negativity and speculation? Thanks." Uh, and then the second request on the text line. Uh, Please tell me with an all-Mountain View show today, we're going to hear about the big Mountain View win last night, Go Thunder. And that's from Raymond. Who did Mountain View beat? Uh, Mountain View. Who did they play last night? Prairie, sixty-one to nothing, oh. I believe. Yikes! So, yeah, number, go Mountain View. Yeah, Thunder's number five team in the state right now. So are they really? They're rolling people. Their only is to Union, week one, and Union's uh, undefeated in the number one team at the four A level. I guess this is, is turning son-
1: into a Mountain View segment. <laughs>
2: hey, listen, I'm yeah. the I'm the, Clark- I'm the mayor of Clark County, yeah. Joe Fisher. You know that. Is that He's sad so- that my son goes to Mountain View and I knew none of that? <laughs> I think that's fair. I get paid to follow Clark County High School football for the fans, so i got to keep up on it. But. Not, I had no clue. You could have told me they <sighs> were like
3: 12-0 and 0 or 0-12, and, and I would have been like, yeah, that's, yeah. that happened. I'm well, really involved in my kids' lives. I just like to take a real hands-on approach to the whole thing. Well, in
2: fairness, is your son playing football? No, yeah. God, then, no. Well, that, then there you go. He doesn't yeah. Play. No. Nor does he care. Yeah. There you go. But I'll bet you keep up with their rhythmic gymnastics team that he's on, right? <laughs> yeah. He's in the. Uh, he's in the. He's like a skateboard punk. Oh, okay.
3: Got I've, I've got James Eisenman, teenage <laughs> adventure punk. That's what's happening in my house. A lot of Chuck Taylors and not cutting your hair. Perfect. And creepy like high school mustaches.
2: All we had to do to get to negativity and off sports was bring up your son. That worked out perfect. Oh, that's great. Two, ber- two birds, one stone. Right there for everybody. He
3: does. He's like a little Asian kid. He looks like he works at a tech company. He wears <laughs> like flannel, no matter what time of the year it is. Be like 108 degrees. He's wearing a flannel, like in a beanie, <laughs> with like a creepy, like Snoopy sort of mustache that he's got going on. Nice. Like riding his skateboard. Oh, is
2: he pulling off the high school mustache? Oh, yeah, it's terrible. Ugh. High school Asian mustache to boot. Yeah, it's, it's it's a whole thing. That's a good look. You've got to be envious of that, especially uh, with the long hair.
3: Oh, <laughs> I am envious. I live vicariously through his hair. Dude, that kid's hair is fantastic. It's like all thick and black, and it's like down to his shoulders. No, oh, it's, it's phenomenal. And I just look at it, and the thing is, I had hair when he was born. So, like, you look at photos, and, like, right after he was born, this all started to go south. So I blame him.
2: That's like, fair. Like he any, stole He stole your mojo. Any
3: sort of hair DNA I had <laughs> went away. And he's like the only psychotic male that has like good hair. Because my dad was bald. Granddad was bald. Brother bald. Yeah. Uh, I'm bald. John's bald. His two kids, by the way, yeah, they're on their way. <laughs> yeah. JR. JR how, how
2: early did you know you were going bald?
3: 21, okay. 22-ish. Okay. Like, I had thin hair. Yeah. But I had long hair after I after I got out and then I was like oh that's a little thin and then like 23 24 hit and it was like oh boy <laughs> like this is uh, this is this is coming down but like my brother went bald at like 16 yeah yikes and you look his kid just went off to college he's 18 and let me tell you something that widow's peak already starting to creep up. <laughs> <laughs> JR was making fun of his son was making fun of me like a couple months back about being bald. Yeah, and I was like, "Hey, JR, look, look right here, buddy. Look at your future. That's not that far off. Look at that." And you could tell he got a little uncomfortable. I'm like, "Yeah, yeah it's coming." It's like my son is the only sucanic that's gonna break that streak. Like my wife's Asian genes, like finally kicked in and just know. gave him like illustrious thick. Ass dark hair, it's great.
2: Just hold on to that hope though the crazy things happen. You hit twenty one. His hair looks nothing like <laughs> the rest
3: of ours. We all had like thin, yeah. stringy hair. That kid's got a mop
2: just right on top, like Lego hair. Uh, So after this show, you're taking the drive up to Seattle, catching some Seahawks Rams tomorrow, huh? Yeah, I haven't been to a Seahawks game
3: in uh, many a moon, so the Rams are in town. So we thought, uh, let's wing on up to Seattle and see what's up.
2: Now, have you gotten uh, much of a look at this uh, new Rams team in the last couple years? Have you really sat down and watched how good they are? I think they're the best team
3: in football right now. I think they're the most complete team in football when you look at them. Offensively, uh, there's no weakness there. Good offensive line, great weapons on the outside. Todd Gurley running the ball. Golf playing is is good as anyone in the league, and I, I think you have one of the really bright offensive minds in, in Sean McVay. This is like when you know Sean Payton took over the the Saints. You Kyle Shanahan built a real good offense. It, it just there's no weakness, not on the defensive side of things. Um, you know, it hasn't been as dominant as as I thought, but it's a young line, linebacking crew that's growing up. Mark Barron's going to come back from injury uh, when Talib comes back on 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 the corner, and then that defensive line is starting to to kind of figure it out and, and get home. I, I don't know this this roster probably can't stay c- as constructed over you know a four or five year period because oh, no guys going to have to start getting paid, yeah. and I think Sue's just on a one year deal, but. This, from top to bottom, when healthy, there is not a weakness on this team. It's the best roster in the NFL, and, you know, it's outside of experience, if you want to go throw that out there. That's the only only real Achilles
2: heel this team has. But it's it it's it's really really good. Well, it's funny because in the NFL we've seen young teams win Super Bowls. Sure. Certainly teams with young quarterbacks. Well, I mean, Philadelphia. I'm, yeah, well, Philadelphia. But I mean, you, you I mean you go back all the way through. You know, I mean, Tom Brady won his first Super Bowl. I mean, he couldn't even grow a mustache if he wanted to. I think was Roethlisberger in his second in his year. Second year. Uh, Russell Wilson was sure. in his third. I mean, so t- teams can come out and do this. Seattle
3: was a very young team when they won. Most of they were the, the I think
2: they were the youngest team in the NFL when they won that Super Bowl.
3: Most most of those guys were on their first year deals. Yep. And honestly, the, the the easiest way to win in the NFL is to win young because you haven't had to pay everybody. It's harder to win, believe it or not, when when you've got more established players because of you don't have as a complete team. But when you 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 have a young roster, especially a quarterback, you're not paying them twenty four million dollars. You can spread that out over, uh, you know, over more positions where you see with Seattle. You know, once you paid Russell Wilson, you pay Earl Thomas, you pay Richard Sherman, you pay Michael Bennett, you pay all these guys, Bobby Wagner, you know, there just isn't the money to go around and it really depletes your depth. And so th- this whole notion of youth being a bad thing in the NFL, B.S., youth is the best thing in the NFL. You can have a more complete roster.
2: Uh, the other team on the AFC side that's getting the same amount of praise is the Kansas City Chiefs. How yeah. different are they with Patrick Mahomes versus what they were with Alex Smith when they still won 12 games a year? Uh, it's the, the Well, you look at numbers-wise and um, –
3: You know, Alex Smith was putting up real good numbers. Yeah, last year for sure. Yeah, so there's this notion that, that, like, and it's a it's a misnotion, it's a misnomer that that somehow like, oh, Kansas City was dreadful on offense. No, Kansas City was really good on offense with Matt Nagy and Andy Reid and and Alex Smith and and all the weapons. Tyree Kill, yeah, Tyree Kill, Green Hunt, Kelsey, and they have a real good offensive line too. That's another component that no one talks about. Chiefs line's good, Um, but. Mahomes brings a different element to it. There was always a ceiling on the offense with Alex Smith because he couldn't push the ball downfield. Yeah, and you, that that ceiling has exploded with with Mahomes. And you look at what he what he's able to do, and we even saw last week a, a a come from behind win. We saw him finally challenged, and Denver did a pretty good job against him. And this will come back down to earth a little bit because once you get film on quarterbacks, um, you know you, people will adjust. Mahomes makes all the plays. He has he has one of the three best arms in the NFL. I mean that, that is a that is a special arm talent, and he moves around in the pocket, but he doesn't move around like an idiot. He's not Johnny Manziel. He's more Russell Wilson. In fact, I'd say more Aaron Rodgers type yeah. uh, extending plays with, with with that, and can throw on the run. He's accurate. This offense is really stinking good. The only thing about Kansas City, which is why I'll lean towards uh, the Rams, is I don't think Kansas City's defense yeah. is um, – yeah, and I mean they've got some injuries too. Eric Berry will come back. I, I just don't think Kansas City's defense is as good as what the Rams is and, and has the, the, the same sort of uh, skill set that the Rams have. So I think Kansas City will have to win some shootouts, whereas I, I think at times the Rams will eventually be able to lean on the defense if the offense isn't quite clicking. Um but certainly, I think you're looking at probably two of the best four teams in the NFL in Kansas City and the Rams. But Kansas City, to me, is more in the in the three four range. And to me, the Rams right now. And it's so early. things yeah. can change. But well, through four weeks, the, the Rams are, are my number one team in the league.
2: I always find it entertaining how people want to go ahead and anoint an NFL team, the Super Bowl champion, after four weeks. And how often do we see it where, you know, you get all this praise heaped on you early and a couple key injuries. I mean, you, you lose Jared Goff, you lose Patrick exactly. Mahomes, one of those teams. At, well, so.
3: even you lose a guy, you lose a Kareem Hunt, you lose a Travis Kelsey. You know, it's, it, the NFL is a war of attrition, Yeah. right? It's, it's who's left standing. So many times in the playoffs, it just comes down to who's playing well, who's hot. And, again, who's healthy? Look at New England, right? So we're all ready to write off New England. Oh, yeah, they're they're done. They're done. They're done. They're they're done. And then you get a guy, you know, you get Josh Gordon and you get Julian Edelman back. And not only do you you bring those two guys, you know, one in and one back from from suspension, now Gordon goes out and plays your true uh, elite receiver on the outside. Edelman comes back and dominates the slot. Now you can no longer double-team Rob Gronkowski with a safety because you yep. do have to worry about Gordon taking the top off. And now you take Chris Hogan, who's been really good you know, playing in the seams, and you're able to move him back to where he's supposed to be. And now Dorsett, who's really just a gadget player and a guy that can just run deep routes and is being forced to, to actually try to play a, a complete receiver, now he goes back to just being a guy that stretches the field. and And this offense looks completely different now. And, we'll, you know, you roll up 38 against the Dolphins. You look dominant against the Colts. And now all of a sudden the, the check down stuff to James White is starting to look better. Shoney Michelle starting to run the ball a little yep. bit better. And you're like, oh,
2: yeah. Oh, yeah, at, I forgot about the Patriots.
3: Yeah, look, look at New England here. We're ready to write them off. And one or two guys shifts the entire balance of an offense just because of their presence on the field. And everyone can go back to doing what they the, – the roles that they had designed. So, so much of this can change. Philadelphia looks very average right now. But as Carson Wentz continues to get better, and and there's talk of maybe them trading for Le'Veon Bell, you don't think that'll make a difference? Atlanta has been decimated by injuries on defense. They're only missing like 12 guys. Yeah, but offense looks really good. If that defense can ever figure it out and get some young guys to kind of grow into those roles, Atlanta could be right there.
2: Well, I think the most important thing you said about the Patriots was getting someone to dominate the slot. Um, hey, let's go to Good versus Evil. That is uh, next. You're listening to The center and the Saint on 1080 The Fan.
0: Have you been too busy to keep up on sports this week? What has happened to the,
1: What has happened? What has happened to the national interest?
0: No time to form your own opinions? I stand before you here today in the midst of gnarly times. Well, no worries, bro. <laughs> Let the center and the saint shred the gnar while you just sit back and ride the wave. It's time for Good Versus Evil, brought to you by the titan of Hawaiian restaurants, 808 on 1080 The Fan. Hat comes set, and hat comes set, and one. Swing and a drive. Well hit, left field. That one is gone! It just got over the monster. A line drive homer that just snuck into the seats over the green monster down that left field line. And just like that, the Red Sox have jumped out to
1: a 3-0 lead. That was John Shambi on on the call last night for game one between the Red Sox and Yankees. And, yeah, there is baseball. That's right. Even uh, during this football season, uh, postseason baseball has started and the Red Sox doing what they've done done all season, and they're winning and up one nothing already. Uh, so, I guess the posed question for you guys, is it Red Sox or anybody else basically at this point?
2: Well, no, because they didn't really dominate in that win. As good as Chris Sale was, you get to the bullpen, and they end up using their Game 3 starter. Rick Porcello comes in to throw uh, for a few, few outs. I mean, they don't look like the same team when they play against the yankees especially in the postseason this is their first series since that uh 2004 i uh, I think if you're the uh, yankees
3: you're okay i mean obviously look it's you want to win the game it's a short series right so one game is a huge deal you only got to win three to to move on it's best of five but um you know you look at at the yankees and you kind of chalk up a loss when you're pitching against chris sale right and now you got David Price, who hasn't been good against the Yankees. Been terrible in the postseason. And the Red Sox bullpen, outside of Kimbrel, uh, Kimbrell gave up a homer last yep. night too. Um, dude, their bullpen is sketchy, and the Yankees bullpen is filthy. <laughs> I mean, you just up and down. You just, I mean, it goes five, six deep of guys that, that you trust. So if if you're the Yankees, you know you're obviously not happy. But I, I think you
2: this series is is far. Far from over. Not to mention, who do you get if you win this series? It's not going to be a cakewalk walk through Cleveland or through Houston. So yeah, I mean, gonna... well,
3: it's got to be Houston. That's, yeah. that's
2: come on, <laughs> Cleveland. Yeah. It's going to be Houston. But so you no. don't you don't want to play Houston either. No, so uh, yeah, there's, it,
3: this is uh, this is far, in my opinion, from the Red Sox and, and everyone else. I think the Yankees still have a, a good shot at this. And uh, yeah, uh, the defending World Series champs yeah. may have something to say about this too.
2: Here's why I like Oregon as a chance to make the playoff as a
0: one loss team. They host Washington. They've got it next week off of a bye, and they've got it at Autson. Yep. Then their toughest game left is at Utah. That's
2: why already beating Cal is so big, because that is not an easy game, and they went and they did that. They can get to the Pac-12 title game. If they get there, they'll oh, yeah. be a favorite oh, yeah. in all likelihood Guaranteed. over whoever's in the set. Yep.
1: That was Dar- Dari Noka on his uh, morning show, I'm pretty sure, this morning. Dari Mel. Um, was he trying to have the hot take, or do you guys actually uh, back him and say that Oregon does have a chance if they just have that one loss to make the college football playoff?
3: You got a chance. I think you would need a ton of help. I think uh, the, the Pac-12 doesn't have a whole lot of respect, and if, if Oregon ends up being a one-loss conference champ, you're going to need – you're not getting in over a one-loss conference champ in, in any other conference and then throw to Notre Dame in the mix. If Notre Dame was a one-loss team, they're going to have a much better resume than, than Oregon has. So, yeah, there's a chance, but it's it's not a great one. I think the Pac-12 in general, even if UW wins out, is going to need a lot of help because you look at Ohio State or whoever comes out of the Big Ten, uh, you look at Oklahoma or Texas coming or West Virginia coming out of the, the, the Big 12, Obviously, the SEC champ, if Clemson uh, ends up getting through and then Notre Dame, I think all of those teams are going to be ranked higher and and, and given the uh, given the spot above the Pac-12. So you're going to need some teams to stumble. But, yeah, there's a chance for a one loss Pac-12, whether it's
2: UW or Oregon. Uh, yeah, and I think that Notre Dame win over Stanford is, is pretty telling because their schedule doesn't get a lot, lot harder after Virginia Tech either. And no. If Notre Dame goes undefeated, they're in the college football playoff, yes. which ruins it for kind of all the conferences. You can't really look at having a one-loss team well, make it in. And the SEC with Georgia and Alabama, they had two teams last year, so now the Big 12, the ACC, if if Clemson stumbles, I mean, they haven't been great. They've no. got a, you know, a, a freshman quarterback playing who made a pretty poor decision to get concussed last week. They could, if they step up, I don't see. I don't see an ACC one-loss team get in. I don't see Big 12 one-loss team, and the Pac-12. I don't see it. The one thing that does sway the the playoff committee is they like having big names in there. If you have Justin Herbert, who's going to be the number one pick, and they do win that conference, they may wedge them in over another one-loss team because they know it's a television show. I mean, Oregon lost to Stanford and went up a spot in the rankings. College football, if anything likes a television yeah. show, so that's one thing. You know what the side.
3: nightmare scenario is for the college football playoff? Undefeated Notre Dame. Undefeated Central Florida. Oh, there you go. Two years in a row, yep. Yep. and and after what Central Florida did last year, beating Auburn in the bowl game, if Central Florida, who pay attention, Central Florida's rolling people, if Central Florida goes undefeated, does the college football playoff for the second year in a row take a team yeah. that, that beat Auburn last year, remember Auburn's the team that beat Alabama and, and Georgia, and Central Florida handle them. If they go undefeated two years in a row, if they're, what, 25-0 and in the last two years, do they have the balls yeah. to tell Central Florida no and put in a, a Pac-12 team that-, that people don't think is really that good or a one-loss uh,
2: ACC team that hasn't looked that good? I'll-, I'll tell you what would be great about that. You'd have to look at six or eight teams. You'd have to. There's reason to be high on
1: this kid. I just would have loved to have seen him sit and have the opportunity to
0: throw. That's intercepted, and this will go back to the house.
1: Wanya Thomas dropped an interception moments ago. This one he will catch and bring back 81 yards. That was the call on ESPN last night as Georgia Tech absolutely rolled Louisville 66-31 in a little bit of context for you guys. So Paul Johnson obviously running the triple option out there at Georgia Tech. They put up over 500 rushing yards and 55 points on that offense. Well this has basically been a matchup 10 years in the making because Louisville's defensive coordinator is Brian Van Gorder and why this goes back 10 years is because Paul Johnson used to be the offensive coordinator at Georgia Southern and then when he left, apparently Van Gorder took over as the head coach and uh, started slandering the triple option, said that they're going to bring Georgia Southern into the 21st century, saying there is no option. And then Van Gorder proceeded to go 3-8 and eight for Georgia Southern. But apparently before that season, Paul Johnson was calling, begging to get Georgia Southern on the schedule. Really wanted to play Van Gorder. So it's been 10 years that Paul Johnson has been waiting to face Brian Van Gorder and finally got his chance last night and they put up over 50 points on offense on the triple option and put up 66 total points on Bobby Petrino and Van Gorder. So guys, does it get any more petty than this in a football game?
2: Uh, there's so much pettiness in college football and football in general. Um, but this is Georgia Tech, man. Now, if they get a chance to run somebody up to prove that that triple option works, they do it every time. You always see these big lopsided victories, and then they lose to a team they shouldn't, and then we forget about Georgia Tech for the rest of the year. Well, he needed uh, it, but. too. There was some talk. that They had been struggling,
3: so yep. there was some talk that maybe the, the, the Paul Johnson era in Georgia Tech was, was kind of running out. So this was not only a, a super petty win, but probably one they needed to keep the Wolves at bay. But I love the. Fact I love the fact that this guy has held a grudge for 10 plus years and you know that he just that that, that is a, as sweet a victory as he's ever had in his career and that's hilarious I, I love pettiness
2: <laughs> Bravo I want to see the postgame handshake yeah got a picture of that I'm sure that was good is that all you got Joe yes sir that is it for good versus evil. All right, thank you, my good friend. Uh, that is Good versus Evil brought to you by our, fan, by our friends at 808, the Titan of Hawaiian Restaurants at 2454 East Burnside or 52nd and Woodstock. Had a chance to talk a little bit of Major League Baseball playoffs in there, uh, but there were a couple home runs that were significant, more for the fans than for the guys hitting them last night. We'll start there and we'll talk some Major League Baseball playoffs next. You're listening to The Center of the Saint on 1080 The Fan.
0: Okay, picture this.